bureaucracy's basement to your ears. This is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau uh, dedicated themselves to uh, making reports, filing recommendations, and trying to survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes in the back room into our open mouths as we sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper from 1973. One day, maybe, we'll escape the subterranean hell that is this basement, but until that day comes, this city's not going to improve itself. So, here we stay. Improving things. You're welcome. And this meeting is now in session. So, are you okay? Well, yeah, I think, well, I'm, I think, I'm, uh, I think, I think you're glitching. I, it sounds to me like you're glitching. I'm glitching? Uh, well, you know, I have been feeling a little glitchy lately. Yeah? yeah. Do you have any idea um, what's going on? No, I uh, I took my temperature and uh, it uh, it said that my temperature was degrees. Like even, even my thermometer was glitching. Oh, no. Just a complete mystery. Have you checked your bandwidth levels? Uh, maybe that's it. Um, I've probably caught something... And it's messing with my bandwidth. That'll happen. You've got to be yeah. careful about the bandwidth these days. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe maybe I'm suffering from RV switch 19. That could be it. That could be it. A good thing, you know, you want to, when you're wearing a mask, when you're out and about, mm-hmm. you want to have it, it should cover your mouth and your nose, but it, you don't have to put it over your router. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I also hear that in order to maximize your bandwidth, uh, you, your mask should be made of fiber optic cable. Yeah. yeah, that carries the most information. Should we have a meeting? We should. We should. I mean, that's Nothing that's bad. why. Yes, let's have an actual meeting. Um, I regret that my attendance uh, form appears to have our actual names tonight, oh. and that I do not have. I do not have a hilarious anagram. Oh dear! Because I did my job properly for once. You are sick. I know, I know. So uh, let's, I'll just take attendance. Um, so let's see, well, well, Paul Deschen? That's me. No, actually, I have it here. That's me. I have little, I have little drawings, and uh, this one most resembles me. So okay. I'm Paul Deschen. I'm here. And, uh, and Aiden Morgan? Maybe I, it's one of us. It's I'm one of us. Okay. So yeah. the chances are good that, that he's here. And yeah. it's you or me. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm willing to put up with a little bit of identity confusion. Okay. Do we have an agenda? We have an agenda of sorts. We, we, we always have an agenda. We don't have quorum, I'm thinking, but we do mm. have an agenda. No, no quorum. You, you've noticed this plague, right? I have, I have noticed a plague. Yeah, the plague that we've been talking about. It's been plaguing us. Yeah. So last week we were talking about how uh, Regina should uh, have a new tourism motto that is, you know, the Queen City, the town where COVID came to stay. And I think, <laughs> I think it's important for people to know that when we pitched this last week, we, we recorded our meeting very early compared to when it actually broadcast on CJ2. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, the cases, the active cases in Regina were under, four, under 500 and had been kind of plateauing and not really moving anywhere for a really long time. So that would have been last Tuesday, um, am I right? Yeah, Monday, yeah. Monday or Tuesday, yeah. Monday or Tuesday, right? Or oh, sorry, last Monday. So uh, when this airs on Thursday, it will have been a week and a few days. That's yeah. just for context. Yeah. Yeah. 
we, we made that proposal. And then it's almost like we jinxed things because basically two days later, the COVID hit the fan in terms of case numbers. Mm-hmm. And we are now at over 700, I do believe. Yeah, it's, it's up there. Yeah. 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 We are on track right now to hit, you know, possibly the highest point that Regina has seen since the plague came to town. Yeah, there's there's nowhere to go. I mean, I'm optimistic. There's nowhere to go from here but up. And it's nice in terms to know. of numbers. Because, you know, once you get to the top, you can, like, look out over everything. And exactly. Regina has so few hills. <laughs> we we need a pile of 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 uh, the the sick and the dying and possibly the dead uh, to, yeah. to 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 really survey the the extent of things. Um, yeah. Well, I, I was listening today to uh, to a press conference okay. given by uh, Premier Scott Moe and uh, Saqib Shahab, and uh, hopefully, uh, Doctor Shahab pointed out that our provincial numbers are actually quite good except for Regina, which I think is a pretty cold comfort for yeah. Regina. Also a pretty cold comfort for the rest of the province who, is, who are not experiencing any restrictions or lockdowns as we will be, and therefore are just going to probably end up, in, quote unquote, enjoying the same fate as us. Yeah. It's nice that they can, uh, you know, see their future by staring into the Regina Yes, stare, stare, but do not stare too long into the vagina, lest you become a vagina yourself. <laughs> it's so sad because everybody knows that we could that you impose preventative measures to prevent things before they happen. Yes, exactly. Once again, we seem to be imposing them in the wrong order. Right. I think I think it's bold. Uh, I think I. Th- I've I've come up with a couple of ideas on why it's being done this way. Oh, um, I, I think I think actually um, Mo and Shahab uh, in somewhere in the ledge building they have like this giant tachyon emitting anti entropy generator. So they put the restrictions in the generator and broadcast it out so it actually goes backward in time mm-hmm. and retroactively annuls these COVID cases. Oh. But then, oh, so, but that would only work in a timeline that forks off mm-hmm. from the our timeline. Right. So past. We, we have to, we must live with the consequences of their, of their utterly awful inaction. But it warms my heart to know that in another timeline, we don't have to deal with it at all. Right. So Completely inaccessible to us. Completely inaccessible to us, but not to them. Um, I guess we can just, you know, have faith that that's actually working and that somewhere right. there's an Aiden and Paul who aren't living in fear. Of, exactly. Uh, yeah, of a disease. Well, I think uh, I, I have been working, actually, if you, uh, if you look in the back room, I have been working on a dimensional bridge so that if things get really bad here, we can just hop to that timeline. Oh, right on. Or we can kill the other versions of us and just stay. Yeah, I think, I think that's probably, I, I mean, I don't want to, but I've, I have a feeling that if we met them, I, I think, I think that I'd be pretty annoyed by the other version of myself pretty quick. Me too. So, yeah. So we just have to off them and then, yeah. And then be, be done with it. Well, speaking of like time travel and figuring out how to deal with pandemics. Oh yeah. 
when the when the case numbers started to spike after uh, our last meeting, uh, it occurred to me that hey, aren't there scientists looking at poo to find COVID, like routing around in poo, trying to right. find signs of COVID, and you know, the way that it was certainly told to me by my uh, reading of headlines on Twitter was that if you route around in poo and find signs of COVID, you can see your COVID future in municipal poo. So it's kind of like, you know, like cutting open a goat and looking at its entrails, except right. with science. Yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah, and it's, it's funny when... Goat, it's a whole city that you cut open. Right. And, and you look at their poo. Uh, it's funny because... Usually when I pick up a paper and I read any story, well, first thing I think is, hey, aren't there scientists looking at poo? I'm like, what, what I mean is like whenever I read a story, I'm like, why isn't the story about scientists who look at poo? I mean, that's, that's objectively more interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, well, you know what I did? This case, it actually ties into like the subject matter at hand. So what I did is I went and found the scientist who's looking at Regina's poo. Oh, did they, did you follow like the smell or, or how that work? No, I looked him up with Google. <laughs> it's so easy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So yeah, I called him up. His name is uh, Su Xiao Chao. Mm -hmm. And he's a biologist at the University of Regina. And he is uh, one half of a team who are uh, taking samples from our wastewater treatment plant. And uh, they've been looking at samples since August of last year. And so they can, um, you know, look for uh, the genetic markers of COVID in municipal wastewater. I thought I would um, play for you a little bit of that interview, right? There it is, share sound. Now you too will be able to hear this. So, yeah, I just had a few questions for you about uh, your sampling of the wastewater. I think there's maybe an impression in the community that what you're doing with the wastewater samples is that you sit at a computer all day and you're typing away and there's maybe like data scrolling in front of your glasses and then like an alarm goes off and there's like some flashing numbers on your screen and you pick up a red phone and you call the mayor and say, there's a spike coming. Mm-hmm. But based on your email, it sounds like uh, it might be more complicated what you're doing with the mm -hmm. wastewater samples. Can you give me kind of a sense of what's actually happening? Maybe starting with the technical side of things. So yeah. uh, what we're doing essentially is taking up samples. Uh... Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So <laughs> starts our conversation. That was, that was how things started. And he starts our conversation by going immediately into the technical side of things, like he's some kind of scientist. Right, and like, like, and like we're scientists too who can understand his science talk. Right, yeah. So I went into this thinking, okay, I am now going to be able to see Regina's future by talking to this scientist. And it turns out, no, science is too complicated for that. That's not how it works. <laughs> What he explained to me is that uh, what they're doing is they're looking at the viral load in the wastewater. And so they're looking for genetic markers. And all they can tell is how much of that genetic marker there is relative to other periods in time. 
So they can't look at the viral load in the wastewater and say, oh, 600 people have COVID or 300 people or 1,000 people. They can't tell you any of that. All they can tell you is that at this point in time, we have more or less than we had at another point in time. And over time, collecting enough information and data and comparing it with other jurisdictions, they can start to refine that down into uh, something a little bit more uh, precise and, and useful. And uh, look, if, uh, if, sci- if science can't say panic now, then what good is science? Yeah. Well, here, I'm going to let uh, Dr. Chow explain a little bit more on how uh, you can't actually see the future from the wastewater. I think one of the big issues is, um, or misconceptions perhaps, is that the wastewater somehow gives us actually a view into the future, so a prediction of what's coming. And that it can't do, obviously, because only if people are already infected, they start shedding the virus, right? So only what we see is basically how many people are currently shedding feces into a uh, virus via feces into the, into the sewer system. It's a little bit like if you, we can plot nice graphs out of it, but it's a little bit like, um, I would say the stock market, right? Because if the stocks go up, it doesn't mean next week they're going to go further up. They may actually go down, they may go up. It entirely depends on how people behave. So if people, you know, quarantine themselves, uh, stay at home, the numbers are going to drop. If people start partying, the numbers are going to go up, but we can't see it based on the numbers that we've got now. So what we see is the present situation, but we don't see the future situation. Right. So you can see the present situation, can't see the future. And one of the things that he pointed out is that, um, uh, that COVID starts to show up in your mucus before it shows up in your feces. Hmm. So if you have a good testing facility and if you have a good uh, testing regime going on in your city, you should be catching the COVID. You should have like from clinical tests, you should know what your COVID level is. But by tracking the feces of your city, uh, you can catch if there is something being missed. So if there's a population Hmm. that has COVID and uh, like a large population that has COVID that is uh, asymptomatic and it's not being captured by your regular testing plan, then this is a good, this would be a good indicator to the Saskatchewan health authority to say, you know, we have to step up our testing measures and we have to get it out into other communities. Um, He also pointed out that it's a good early warning system so that uh, once, you know, assuming we get this COVID under control, there will come a point where COVID will probably exist in the community in some form, but it won't be, you know, causing like, you know, mass sickness. We can start to let the testing uh, slack off. But, you know, there may be a variant or a new coronavirus that will come down the line. And if they keep up this wastewater treatment testing, you know, once a month, every few weeks, uh, they'll be able to catch a new disease uh, in the future. And apparently this method that's being refined uh, by uh, Dr. Chow and other doctors around the world uh, can be used to detect all sorts of diseases. So they can keep an eye out for all sorts of things by doing this. It's an exciting bit of science, but it isn't predictive in the way I think people were hoping that it would be with the current <clears throat> pandemic. So he can't tell the future, but it could be that Dr. Chow will be the savior of humanity one day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. I need, I need a very dramatic narrative for anything to do with science. And that's the one I'm, uh, that's the one I'm latching onto. Perfect. Uh, so anyways, then I, what I asked him though, is I asked him, you know, 
I wanted to know, are we missing anything, right? Like we've seen the data that's been coming out of the uh, provincial government. Uh, I asked him, you know, like, what are you seeing? And I think when we were having this conversation, he was like literally looking at the graphs on his computer screen as we were talking. So um, I will uh, play a little bit of what he had to say about that. One of the things that we've seen in terms of like, I, I can just go from what's been released by the province, but uh, what I'm seeing is we had like a huge uh, number of active cases at the tail end of last year heading into this year. It's kind of come down and sort of, it's kind of plateauing in the Regina area where mm -hmm. like going up and down around like 300 to 600 cases. Um, does that track with what you're seeing in the wastewater in terms of, you know, a big like load at the tail end of last year and then sort of hanging steady now? Mm -hmm. uh, more or less, yes. If you just look at the at the uh, active cases, so what uh, what we see is we see a huge peak in our wastewater signal. Actually, one week uh, after we see the huge peak uh, in terms uh, of uh, active cases um, around the December uh, time, I think it was the first or second week December roughly, okay. and and that and 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 that part uh, indicates to me so that we've actually. Uh, to that, at that point, probably a pretty good view on on uh, on, on how many people were actually really infected, and, and and that those that have been affected and have been tested positively, then now they're contributing to the huge peak in the wastewater. Following that, we can't correlate again. We, we don't know how many we've been missing, but it's, the trend is pretty much the same. So similarly, there was a steep drop um, towards uh, the end of the year, uh, to, uh, early January. We also see that. And after that, um, the mentions of plateauing. So we've got a little bit of wobbling in, in our in our in our data set. So, um, uh, but it was all on a relatively high level. Um, and I think that is one of the things when it comes to prediction that we actually might also be using it or thinking about it is if you have basically high potential of of cases or a high number of cases being around, either um, wastewater or elsewhere. Um, our wastewater actually may indicate that we've got actually a bit more than we expect, but this is really just by rough estimation because, again, we can't do precise numbers. But based on that, um, of course, high level of wastewater signal or active cases is clearly always a risk of, you know, that it can go up years because each person has the risk of infecting several other persons. And then uh, if you've got enough persons around, then the risk is just simply higher that we see a, a surge. Um, and, and it never went away because, as you mentioned, you know, we were basically on, on a plateau and the plateau was a fairly high level, actually. So therefore, it's not terribly surprising if it just takes, you know, one or two events and then the numbers go up again. And this is basically a little bit what we see in the, the, the most recent trend that we see is definitely upward. It's not, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the slope of, of the increase is not uh, a you know, huge spike that we actually saw during, uh, uh, during, during uh, December. But um, yeah, I mean, we don't know yet, right? So basically, right. next week's data may actually be much steeper or flatten up. So yeah, in short, he's basically seeing the same thing that we've been seeing from the active case numbers. But he did repeat multiple times during the course of that clip and throughout our conversation that this plateau that we're seeing is at quite a high level. And that if people don't take that seriously and don't take precautions and shut crap down, uh, well, he didn't say that. I'm adding that in. Uh, but yeah, if we don't take precautions and if we're not careful, that we're at a risk for surges. And that's exactly what we, we, are, we seem to be seeing right now 
is a search. Hmm. Okay, the last clip, because all of this was prelude. I was just merely, my real question, I didn't get to until the very end. I'm on tenterhooks. Here we go. So you seem like a very tidy person. And uh, one of the ways... You can't see my desk. (laughs) This keeps being described as uh, checking poop for... Mm -hmm. Um, COVID-19. So I guess what I'm curious about is when you get your samples, how does it come to you from the wastewater treatment plant? Is it a big bucket? Is it like little vials? Like how does it, what are you working with? So we, we, we get them in, in small bottles, uh, sample bottles, uh, right. or small 200 milliliter bottles or so. And um, they, um, they are, so at, at the inlet uh, where we get them, so basically what, from the wastewater treatment plant, um, the, the composite samples, they are, uh, well, a little bit of solid, but a lot of water in, inside. So basically, it looks like dirty water uh, for the most part. Uh, the grab samples, so basically, directly all the sewage that we get from the city, they look like, uh, they are more substantial, let's say, and they are in, in the plastic bottles. Um, they are not the favorite material to work with uh, in my life, I can tell you. Which I think that's, that's what we really want to know. It's like when you say you work with poop, I mean, what, what exactly does this look like yeah yeah sounds like they really work with poop yeah i mean a little 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 vials little sample that's fine yeah by and large yeah okay so that was my conversation with uh dr su chow chow from the university mm-hmm. of Regina, a biologist who is studying wastewater and looking for signs of covid apparently mm-hmm. he shares this data directly with um uh, Saskatchewan Health Authority, because uh, he feels you know it's smart if all of the health messaging comes from a central source. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, that was that was really fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a really, really good conversation, and I really appreciated him taking some time out of his very busy day to talk to me about it. Well, I mean, he probably he probably was happy not to, you know, be working with Pooh for a few minutes. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, we are coming up to that time for innovative revenue tools. Oh, nice. I've been, I've been meaning to come up to that time for innovative revenue tools. Do you have one? Because I've got one if you don't. I do not have one. Um, but if you have one, I am all, well, I am not all ears. I'm only a small part of me is ears, but they're, they're, they work. Well, today's innovative revenue tool. And innovative revenue tools are how we uh, are suggestions for how the city can raise revenue uh, in, in clever and interesting ways that uh, won't require raising property taxes on the residents of Regina. Oh, uh, okay. I, sorry, I thought this was something else. Oh, sorry. I mean, I, I can still, I mean, I'll still entertain you. That's fine. Okay. Uh, today's innovative revenue tool. Uh, one of the things that you start to notice if you spend any time on Regina social media, so on Twitter, Facebook, uh, even Reddit, is between the two main controversies that Regina has faced, uh, the sponsorship scandal and our question of whether or not we are sufficiently deferential in this city to the oil industry, uh, and the economic situation as a result of the COVID lockdowns and slowdowns and the economic uh, downturn is that uh, there is a lot of blame going around, a lot of like finger pointing. uh, And a lot of people in this city uh, like to point their fingers at uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau for screwing everything up. Oh, it makes my blood boil. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's crazy the way uh, he's got everybody so riled up with all the things that he's done and not done. 
And um, he's really sort of like living in the heads of many Reginans. And okay, I'm 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 getting a picture here. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is he's living in the heads of so many people. It's like he has property all over the city of Regina. And the guy can't live in Regina and not pay property tax. Exactly. It's time that Trudeau ponied up for living in so many Regina's heads. Isn't it? So I think it's budget time. And I think that we should be sending him a very large bill for unpaid property taxes. Mm -hmm. You know what I've heard? I've heard he actually, in order to get around the the tax problem, he's actually rented a lot of like headspace, but he doesn't pay it. He's living in their heads rent free. Oh my God. Um, yeah, how long can he go? <laughs> I'm too handsome to pay, and and we just let him get away with it. We can't. We can't. That the handsome jackass. So I think it's time that we uh, make Justin pay us what he owes. <laughs> so if this innovative revenue tool uh, doesn't catch on, we have a few more that we can play right now. Oh yeah, bring it on. The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. And we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. Whoa, seems seems like that just went by in the blink of an eye. Yeah, it did. Uh, for us. For us. But things get a little timey-wimey in the Queen City Improvement Bureau. It's, it's, that, it's that anti-entropy generator in the ledge building. It kind of affects things all over the place. Yeah. Hey, uh, we have a sponsor. We do. Thank you, too. Yeah. I believe they call themselves the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Yes. And... Yeah. They are fine people, and they have been uh, supporting this show and supporting community radio in the Queen City uh, for a very long time. And uh, mm-hmm. thanks very much to them for all of their help. Thank you. Wubid, yeah. as they call themselves. So uh, we had uh, some meetings this week. And, uh, okay, first of all, I think we talked about this last week. It's budget week. So mm-hmm. I think kind of, as you know, I, I tend to go to these meetings and I, I live tweet them on the Twitter as they're happening. Uh, budget meetings are long and budget meetings are boring. Um, but they're also you know, kind of important. Uh, yeah. so I will be going, but it's they've got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday booked. For the council, uh, for council to meet to talk about budget. Often, what happens is the first day, the Wednesday, would be all the delegations. The Thursday will be council discussion and a final vote. Uh, what I'm watching for is this is the first time that this uh, group of people have met to uh, do the budget, and I there's no Sharon Bryce, no Councillor Bryce this time, Whoa. and. Yeah, and normally she's the one, the first one out of the gate 
wanting to use any surplus funds from last year to bring down the mill rate increase for this year. And who's going to do that? Who's going to fill Sharon Bryce's shoes in this new council? We should we should maybe start getting people on on that. Start yeah. pushing other councilors to do that. Yeah. Well, you know, I asked a couple of them. So who's going to be the new Sharon Bryce? And they're like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I'm like, "Haven't you been obsessively reading my tweets at budget time for the last like <laughs> ten years?" <laughs> Don't and you have a handsome? Never- don't you have a handsome leather-bound tome of all my tweets? Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know how this is going to happen, especially since this year, uh, as we talked about last week, there's only like a one-point-something increase for the police budget, and then there's the scheduled inescapable 0.45 for the stadium that we always have to pay, and a 0.5 for recreation infrastructure, to uh, which we agreed to do last year. So uh, there is, there's no there's no fat to cut this year. Hmm. Um, administ- like the rest of city operations are basically facing a cut in that, you know, they're just going to have to eat inflation this year because they're not getting, they're not even getting a cost of city living increase this year. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, it'll be interesting because, you know, we, we've been told things like this is the most progressive council ever. It will be interesting to see how, uh, a progressive council, if they are such a beast, uh, approach right. budget time. So, I'm curious about uh, the police budget, as always, because a progressive council might be inclined to find different ways to fund them. Uh, I think our mayor is a little more pro-police, though. Yeah. So well, we shall see. I know. I know that they want a budget increase this year. Yeah. And that's one point, where the mill rate. Yeah, it's like it's one point three ish. I think I, I didn't write it down. I should know this, but I don't. Um, I, I think though that in my experience, the police budget is usually sort of like a fait accompli by the time you get to budget day. Right. If they wanted to make cuts, the time to do that was uh, during the negotiations at uh, the Board of Police Commissioners meetings that led up to this. So I, I, I would be very surprised. Um, Councillor Stevens has in years past uh, held the police chief's feet to the fire and said, you know, you guys are asking for a lot and we should be considering other ways to uh, solve these issues of crime in our city and social need in our city that don't involve sending in cops with guns. But um, that frequently falls on, well, it doesn't go anywhere because it's, it's kind of like always like a, a goal for next year. So you, you know what would happen if you took away the policemen's, you know, cops guns, mm-hmm. they would just get jetpacks. Yeah. And they, they wouldn't be able to shoot anybody but they'd be zipping around and like flying into walls. Uh, like, and I'll, I'll get and get in, like, getting up to no good. Cause I mean, how, how can you not get up to no good when you've got like a jetpack to zip around on? Right. And they can put on one of so, those pointy helmets. You know. Ah, the pointy helmets like bullet man war in the old faucet comics. Exactly. And they could just fly right through the bad guys. Right, and I mean that's it, it. Would be it would be really really gory. Yeah, yeah. So if you want a gore splattered city council, cut their budget. 
cut the cops budget can, and get them get them in their jetpacks. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so I don't know. It'll be it'll be long, it'll be interesting. Uh something that came up at executive committee that did have budget implications though, and I think we're going to see a lot of this. Uh a lot of businesses and organizations are really suffering right now. And um the um the uh sorry, the Regina Downtown Business Improvement District and the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District are a sponsor. Uh, they have decided that they do not want to be charging their uh, membership the levy that they get charged. Now, the way it works is the the business improvement districts, they set their budget for a year in consultation with their membership. And then they go to city council and they say, this is our, this is our budget. And this is the amount of tax revenue that we need to cover this. But the tax revenue is only from the businesses in the business improvement district. Mm-hmm. So the city then, uh, you know, they do the math and they apply a special levy onto the property tax bills of the businesses in those BIDs. Uh, and this year, both BIDs do not want to charge that levy because hmm. uh, their businesses are, uh, a lot of them have been closed or working at extremely low capacity and cannot. Um, and uh, there is a lot of grants available. They, uh, this came up at executive committee because basically what the bids have said is we would like to not charge this levy. So we would like to get this money directly from city revenue uh, to run our operations. And there's a lot of other grants that businesses could be taking advantage of, and they are taking advantage of them. And so the bids, as I said, have done this in consultation with their membership. And they basically, they've done the math that with the grants and with this effectively a property tax cut for these businesses, this will help them get through the next number of months. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact though, uh, at the time that this came up at executive committee though, nothing had been shut down by the province because of COVID. And interestingly, by keeping these businesses open, uh, their staff and these businesses owners were limited in the kind of grants that they could apply for. Because a lot of the grants that the federal government has put together are available for businesses that have been shut down because of a mandatory order from their province or their city. So until today, none of these businesses had access to those funds. As of today, they do. So we'll see how that works into all of the math. But this shutdown is only supposed to go till April 5th. So that's what, like two weeks, if? Um, so uh, that question of whether or not the bids should be able to like just not do the levy this year, uh, that was fobbed off on uh, the new uh, Economic Recovery Task Force. Hmm. And uh, that's being chaired by uh, Councillor Stevens. He was a little concerned because this committee has never met. And so he was being asked, is it okay if we give you this extra work to consider all of this? And he's like, I don't know. I haven't even spoken to these people yet because we haven't sat down and had a meeting yet. So uh, it's an open question whether or not that will happen. But uh, I I suspect we may see a lot more of that uh, over the budget. I don't know. We haven't got a list of who's going to be speaking, but I suspect there are going to be a lot of people pleading their cases for, um, for tax relief of some kind. 
That wouldn't and, surprise me. Yeah. And when the city isn't offering any kind of like mill rate increase, it's going to be tougher for them because then they actually have to cut into the actual revenue that they would be getting and have been counting on. So, oh yeah. Property tax, property tax exemptions was a big thing at the last executive committee meeting. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but the city expanded its boundaries a few years ago. I do. All the properties that were in like sort of rurally zoned in the rural municipality of Saskatchewan, or yeah, Arm of Sherwood, sorry. Uh, when they were being coaxed into becoming part of the city of Regina, they were promised uh, tax relief. Uh, they wouldn't be taxed at an urban rate. They would get to, for a period of time, they would continue to pay their rural tax rate, which is much lower than you get in the city. And that would get the city tax rate would get phased in over time. The properties on the very edge of the city are still, they're basically on a year to year extending this uh, minimal tax rate. And uh, sounds like, there's been a lot of handshake deals with the city over how long this is going to go on for. And this new council is like, what the heck is going on? We don't, this makes no sense. So they actually had like an, a special <coughs> private session with the city's lawyers explaining to them. And after they came out of their special secret meeting, everybody was like, okay, we'll vote for these tax uh, deferments. Mm. <coughs> Oh my god! Push. This is an allergy cough, not a COVID cough. I believe you. Yeah, the fruiting bodies from the fungus in the sub basement are um, they're they're spreading their spores this time of year. Good time if you're a fruiting body. Bad time if you're us. Yeah. Um. Other exciting stuff. Don't know a lot about this. Uh. The executive committee had to split up into two meetings. At their second meeting, they passed an interim uh, heritage preservation policy. So that's nice. Uh, And this will, as the city continues to work on, I swear the city has been working on a heritage preservation policy for as long as I can remember. And it's (laughs) always just another two or three quarters away. Uh, We promise, they promise we're going to be getting a report on this. And we now have a heritage preservation policy to tide us over. Um, the other thing that has been passed is the city, passed, uh, the city center core partnership framework. And this is a bringing together of the, to the bids again. Jesus, they are it's like the puppet masters controlling everything at executive committee. Uh, so the downtown bid, the warehouse bid and real. So Evra's place along with any community associations in the sort of downtown Cashman and the city of Regina are coming together to form this super group, this city super group that will uh, sort of oversee and get enthusiastic about and encourage, you know, good downtown development and uh, coordinate the efforts of all these various players in the core of the city. Um, this, uh, the various players, we should have Judith and uh, Lisa on to explain this because they Indeed. understand it way better than I do and they should come on and explain it. Um, they are, the city seems to be married to the name being City Center Core Partnership Framework when I really think City Center Supergroup is a better name. But you can't tell them that. Right. 
but I guess like, I find it a little bit eye-rolly, this, because the downtown plan, when it passed back in 20, God, 2010-ish, job one was establish a city center branch, which would be an outfit in the city uh, that would sit downtown, work with the downtown bid, and its job would be to coordinate all development in the downtown core, liaise with the bid, liaise with the rest of the city, and sort of encourage good development in the city center. This never happened. It existed briefly. Um, I don't know anybody who ever actually worked there. Uh, who there, It just didn't exist. It got it immediately subsumed, like as though like the rest of the planning department was an amoeba, just like sucked it all up and it disappeared almost instantly. So that never existed. So we kind of already had like the notion of a city center or a city core partnership framework 10 years ago. And that would have been a good foundation on which to expand into Evraz and into the warehouse district. But it just didn't happen. It just never happened. Like so many of the job ones in the warehouse or sorry, in the downtown plan, hmm. the downtown the downtown division just never happened. So it's nice to finally see this happen, something like it. Uh, and hopefully it will stay together and not get uh, consumed. Um, I'm sure the city the planners are enthusiastic as hell heck to have this happen. <laughs> but uh, it was passed unanimously by council. So that will be getting set up. Uh, and uh, yeah, maybe in the next um, meeting or two, we'll get uh, Judith and Lisa on to explain it in more detail. But we are on 91.3 FM CJTR, tuned into the community. It's Regina's community radio station. And we're the Queen City Improvement Bureau. And uh, we are living through the Zack Snyder cut of reality. Right. Well, I mean, you are living through the Zack Snyder cut of reality. I also lived through the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. Yeah, I was going to ask. Uh, you wrote on Destroy All Blogs? Called Destroy All Culture is the site. Destroy All Blogs is the sub subdomain within there. Yeah. Um, I would urge everybody to read your four posts, unless there's five now. Uh, there's five. Actually, there's actually six. The sixth one is being written as we speak. So you're doing a scene-by-scene scene breakdown mm -hmm. of yes. Justice League. Uh, I, I've read the first four. Uh, I thought that's all there was at that point. Um, and they're great. And uh, they, they were really good reading. Um, oh, um, you've, if you've only read the first four, then you have missed the one I'm most proud of, which okay. is the a scene which I realized is actually, it seems to be a standard action scene. It's actually a scene about a love triangle between a group of terrorists, Wonder Woman, and a briefcase. Oh, then I read, did read the fifth. Because oh, then you read, read the fifth. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to ask about the briefcase. Well, well, actually, I'm writing a separate post right now just on the briefcase. Believe it or not. I believe it. <laughs> but because the briefcase um, in that scene, uh, spoilers for one scene in Justice League, the Zack Snyder cut, 
a group of terrorists all dressed in smart black clothing uh, have infiltrated a bank or a museum or a museum bank in London. It's really weird. I can't tell what this building is. Uh, all I know is that it's guarded. Uh, and there's school children in there. They have a group of school children taking a tour that day of this ambiguous building. Uh, so the the terrorists corner the school children. They've got guns trained on them, and they they've got a briefcase. And the entire scene, like this briefcase, is like they're obsessed with this briefcase. And you're not going to believe it, but the briefcase contains a bomb, <gasps> like an entire bomb. All of it? They fit it all in a briefcase? Yeah, all of it. Like it's nothing. It's like a hundred percent bomb and and timer. So, which technically I guess is part of the bomb. Still, that's a little bit of space not taken up by bomb. That's nice. Right, exactly. So, you know, it's respect for the timer. Um, So the the terrorist's aim is to uh, blow up this building with the children in it and themselves and turn back the clock on Europe. Just plunge it into like a medieval-style Dark Ages. How How does this work? Not clear. But they're pretty sure that's what they're going to do. Are you joking? No. I mean, I, I think they were trying to, I think what they wanted to do was recall uh, sort of like, you know, fringe religious groups or, or political groups like, you know, like Cambodia or whatnot that like consciously turn, seek to return things to a, a, a more pristine time um, by, by like bizarre force. Um, they didn't really do it very well in this case because blowing up some building. I, I can't, nobody's going to look at that and say, well, better go back to the middle ages. Uh, so, but anyway, that's, that's their aim. Yeah. And uh, wonder woman is not having it because it's clear that she's in love with the briefcase and she bursts in and she's like, give me the briefcase. And the terrorists are like, no, we're going to shoot at you. And she says, don't you shoot at me. And then she throws them all over the place. It is spectacularly stupid and violent. Uh, And then she grabs the briefcase and closes it again uh, as it's counting down. And you can tell she's like, oh, my briefcase, how I've longed to be with you. But then she thinks, no, it is not meant to be. And so she leaps through the ceiling and then throws the briefcase high up into the sky and says, if you love a briefcase, let it go. If it blows up, it was never meant to be. And it blows up. Oh. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and and the rest of the movie, she's just like moping around. Um, until finally, ben, like Batman says, you know, that briefcase wasn't Steve Trevor. What's wrong with you? And she was like, oh, wow, better save the world. Oh, good. Yeah. And she does? Yeah, yeah. Good. I have so many questions. You ask away. Um, so is this the museum thing? I'm, I can't get past this. So one of the things you mentioned is how like in superhero movies, there are only two things that bad guys go into like, uh, you know, like to rob or to blow up right. banks or museums. Exactly. You, you get the money from the bank or you get the precious magical or alien item from the museum. Right. And, but these guys weren't going in there to get a magic item. They were in there to blow up a magic item. That was they were in there. Yep. They were in there to annihilate the entire structure. 
And is it just like if they destroy culture that then Europe will plunge into a dark age? If we forget our past? We are, yeah, we are condemned to uh, use a lot of wagons again or, or something. Okay. Okay. Yep. I'll just, I guess I just have to run with it, right? For four hours, it sounds. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. You do have to run with this for four hours because immediately after that, it launches into the proper plot of the movie, which is the villain Steppenwolf on, beh- on behalf of Darkseid, or in order to please Darkseid, um, is coming to grab three boxes. Not briefcase, but boxes. Close enough. And once these three boxes are brought together into something called the Unity, uh, they essentially explode and uh, transform the world into this nightmare hellscape. Oh, so, so it's this, it's the same thing, just recapitulated, like in 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 bigger scale. Right. So the bank robbers are basically Steppenwolf, but small. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can't. Um, I can never take this Steppenwolf seriously as as a villain because I just. Every time I hear it, I think they're talking about the, the very mediocre 70s rock band. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes I think maybe they're talking about the Herman Hesse novel. But yes, I, I, your point is well taken. Yeah. Um, the, other, the other thing that you mentioned uh, in one of your essays uh, that I think is shortly after the museum scene is the newspaper drop. Mm. Oh, that's, um, that's Lois Lane's multiverse walk. Right. Yes. Uh, because this... this I think it, it, it has a disturbing uh, for people who are, you know, interested in architecture and, and urban design. Uh, it's concerning in that you point out that there's a, uh, a newspaper drops on the ground. The headline is something about the Manhattan bank. Security bank of Manhattan seeks new architect. Yeah. Which is from an now, novel. Precisely because there is no Manhattan in the DC universe. Right. At least not as we know it, not, not the city. Um, yeah, that is a direct reference to the Fountainhead, uh, which is Ayn Rand's, I hate to say it's Ayn Rand's dumbest novel because they're all really dumb. Um, and uh, it's also a, Zack Snyder really wants to make a movie. Of, it's just like, it's going to be his big passion project. It's currently on hold. Um, Thank God. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Um, I, I can't wait to see the the see how he treats the scene where how, our main character Howard Rourke um, essentially sexually assaults a a woman um, and she, she's asked for it. So I'd like to know how that that's going to work in a 21st century movie. I um I, 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 apparently this movie was made before in the 50s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a it kind of has a grand melodrama. More yeah. than anything else, yeah. So I tried to watch the first few minutes of it and realized that this is a movie, and evidently a book, about uh, <laughs> an architect who nobody takes seriously. And so he's just going from architecture firm to architecture firm and being told that his ideas are too radical. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to see that movie. As much as I, you know, I have some thoughts and feelings about architecture and urban design. I don't really want to see a movie about an architect who uh, is trying to make architecture. Like that sounds yeah. bad. So, and, and no, and like, and like his ideas are so radical that the, the firms won't, won't like let him see his buildings to completion. 
is held back by the world, but then he, he, may, he achieves his grand vision um, as if it were a four-hour movie about superheroes or something. Right. Yeah. And all he's trying to do is impose really shitty uh, modernist architecture on the world. Yeah. yeah. Essentially. The, in the movie, in the 50s movie, the, the designs he had, I'm like, oh, those are really ugly. I can see why they're saying no. <laughs> and I worry that now that apparently Justice League, Zack Snyder Cut, is a huge success, that he's going to get to make Fountainhead. Uh, apparently, uh, the Fountainhead movie uh, looms large in architecture schools to this day. The, really? Yeah. Architects take that book very seriously. And um, the, it, it very much informed the direction of 20th century architecture, uh, that book. And we're finally coming out from underneath the boot of austere, um, boxy, uh, garbage, century, <laughs> 20th century architecture and uh, moving on to something new. And I would hate for Zack Snyder's aesthetic to be imposed upon oh, to, the entire to, and, world. Oh Lord. And, and to, and to, and to once more bring, bring this thing back. And yeah, that would be a real shame. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I definitely hope not. I, I don't I don't want to see his version of, of, of the fountainhead. I'll, I'll just say that much. Um, this is a, this, but the Zack Snyder's justice league is interesting um, because of how incredibly sort of, it takes pettiness to this like grandiloquent level that you can't even imagine. Um, because what what because what it was, I mean, obviously this was an assembly cut. Like it's the first pass at a film without like finished effects or anything to say, and you say, okay, here's our big massive stuff. Now we have to like 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 a sculpture, we need to hack away at this and and bring the story out. But Snyder is like, no, no, we're not, we're not hacking away at anything. It's here, um, which is why you get, you know, a half-hour epilogue involving uh, Joker in the future, and it's also why, in the middle of the film, they're, they they find themselves at the base of this like tower, and they it's it's all underground, but they have to get to this, and they have to get to a higher up level. Now, in the theatrical cut, this is shown again. But it goes, it goes with them like at the base of the tower, and then it cuts to them at the top of the tower, or at least on this little bridge area, where, which is the next sort of like little bit of dialogue and, and interaction. But in the Snyder Cut, they say we have to get up there. And then there is a brief but amazingly pointless shot of our plucky heroes just walking up some steps. They're not... They're not power walking. There's nothing dramatic about it. They look like they're thinking about lunch instead of saving the world. It And I thought, there is no reason like any sane editor and director would look at this shot and say, no, 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 we don't, we don't need that. It, it is clearly, it, it's, it's barely an outtake. There's no reason for them to be walking up some steps. It's but, not- Snyder's little, but Snyder's like, no, 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 it's, it's my vision. My vision is to have them walking up some stairs, looking like they're thinking about lunch. It isn't a gag like in Ghostbusters when they have to get to the top of the building and they like the elevators out. Nope. Uh, nope. They're just walking up, just walking up some stairs, doing their thing. 
Dang. It, there's no dialogue. There's no nothing. It's just come on. Anyway, that like that that one shot just sums up the entire entire ethos of the movie. And it's the only interesting shot in that whole scene, actually. Everything else is just kind of like glum dim CGI. And they're gonna glum dim it some more by making a black and white version. Ooh, justice is gray. Yeah. <laughs> my my friend Adam legitimately thought that the title he he read the he read like a, a tweet about it and he legitimately thought it said justice is gay and he thought all right Batman and Superman are gonna kiss and then realized his mistake. Yeah. So what what we could have had. But if no. only. If only. All right. Well, on that note, we uh, we're out of time. The time locks yeah. are going to open any minute now. Uh, the virtual time locks. Right. And free us from our virtual prison. Yay, into virtual freedom. All right. Until, then. Next, Shall week. We, uh, until next week, uh, should we move to adjourn? Uh, we should. I will second that motion. All right. Meeting is adjourned. You've been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Tune into the community. Your hosts are Paul Duchenne and Aidan Morgan. Music by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guidewire. We are broadcast live on Thursday evenings from 7 to 8 p.m., uh, except, of course, in these pre-recorded pandemic times, and rebroadcast Monday uh, afternoons at 4 p.m. You can find us uh, on 91.3 FM on cgtr.ca slash listen live on Twitter, Queen City IB, at our website, queencityib.com. And remember, that's that's not irritable bowel. It's Improvement Bureau. Don't forget. Coming up next, we've got the Motor Cabaret with Maddie V, followed by the cockpit, then music all on through the night. That's all. Keep on improving, Regina. Mm-hmm.